Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hello there, and welcome to the program. Nice to be with you again, and I'm delighted that you have uh, chosen to listen to today's program. Uh, I am... Fresh off the buzz of the first annual Lives in the Balance Conference on Collaborative Problem Solving, which took place in Augusta, Maine, yesterday. Um, We were able to get 200 people in the room. The room only holds 180. It was cramped. We probably could have had mm, close to double that number of people, given the number of people who wanted to come. The room was filled with educators and um, people from juvenile detention and people, parole officers, and, um, well, not many parents, actually, because we're doing a a conference specifically for parents this Thursday in uh, Camden, Maine, which also, I'm told, is basically full. Um, But it was a day filled with people learning about collaborative problem solving, but especially hearing from people in Maine, where, to my knowledge, there's more collaborative problem solving going on than any other place in the world. Hearing about what those people are doing in their schools, in their juvenile detention facilities, um, We had legislators there. We had commissioners there. We had um, police officers there. We had um, principals and guidance counselors and classroom teachers and school psychologists. We gave the first Trailblazer Awards. Way back a while ago, I wrote a real-world segment. I do need to write another one, but this conference was consuming me. So another real-world segment coming soon, just in case you were looking for one. I doubt that you were, but wrote a real-world segment a while back about um, 
how we recognize football players for their great passes and catches and interceptions and you know we recognize all kinds of people for their feats but not enough people get recognized for the great work that they are doing with behaviorally challenging kids it's not sort of at the top of our radar screen and i personally think that doing incredible work with a behaviorally challenging kid and saving a life um it's higher on my list than somebody's made a great interception or a great pass one's entertainment the other's the real world um so i wrote that i don't remember when maybe a year ago i'm not on the website right now so i can't look but yesterday we did it and we're going to keep doing it yesterday we gave away uh trailblazer awards one to a um uh staff member in Seattle, Washington, uh, a school secretary named uh, Jamie, who um, has been pushing for collaborative problem solving in her school. People were blown away that a school secretary could move collaborative problem solving forward, but she's the one who's hanging out with the kids when they're in the office. Another trailblazer award to a school counselor and uh, Orange County, California, named Kristen. By the way, all these people were at the conference. Who has been implementing collaborative problem solving in her school. And on the heels of yesterday's conference, we'll be doing lots of other things to make it happen even better. We recognized a clinician, a gentleman named Lee, who's at Chaudaire Children's Hospital in Helena, Montana, um, for the great work he's doing at that institution, and they've been doing collaborative problem solving at that institution for quite some time, for the great work he's been doing to help kids who are in a restrictive therapeutic facility. And we recognized two parents, a mom and dad, for their efforts on behalf of their kid. And um, both they and their kid, from what I can gather, have come a long way with collaborative problem solving helping out. Uh, the state of Maine received a Trailblazer Award because they truly are blazing the trail for behaviorally challenging kids, and that's going to continue in ways that were discussed yesterday. There's so many um, impediments to helping behaviorally challenging kids. A lot of it's communication between different agencies. A lot of it is sort of how we prioritize which kids need the most help. Um, we, we often aren't preventive. We often are primarily funding help based on how severely, badly the kid is doing. I've got to do something about that. Diagnosis is frequently the gatekeeper on providing a kid with help. The help the kid gets is often determined not by what he really needs, but by what we have available based on what got funded. It's um, really something. And yet in Maine, we're going to do something about that with Lives in the Balance helping out. We're going to extend collaborative problem solving to the police. Um, so there were trailblazers there, and you'll be able to see streaming video about all of this on the Lives in the Balance website as soon as we can get that video edited and posted. 
Uh, we've got some great ideas for how to make the Lives in a Balance website work even better for people on the basis of what we heard yesterday and feedback we received and ideas that came up. Um, it's happening. Maine is a microcosm of what is possible everywhere. Uh, but we've got some folks in Maine who are really good at it and who will be teaching other people in Maine how to do it. What could be better than that? So you'll want to keep watching the Lives in the Balance website for uh, streaming video and descriptions of what went on yesterday and uh, what's in the pipeline. And um, We're just going to keep on keeping on because there are truly lives in the balance. Cool, eh? We don't have anybody standing by on the phone. That number, by the way, 347-994-2981. Um, so I'm going to turn to some email. We'll see if anybody calls in today. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Here's an email. Uh, I'm a mom of an 11-year-old boy. We have struggled to raise him without, being, without him being manipulative, argumentative, yelling, tantrums, revenge-seeking, blaming others, refusing to abide by the rules or instruction. The fact that you're emailing me, by the way, tells me that maybe that hasn't gone so well. I would say he started to have these issues either in preschool or maybe around kindergarten or first grade. He's been in and out of counseling for anger management. He also was withdrawn to some degree when he first started kindergarten. I could not get him to talk about anything to me. If there was a problem at school, I had to rely on his oldest brother to tell me. Currently, we are looking at autism gifted, bipolar disorder, depression, and I have just found articles on oppositionally fine disorder. We really do not know how to help him. I have been trying for years and have often felt I was never getting through to him. Now he is acting more the role of the bully. It only seems to happen at home. We are currently seeing a family counselor to help guide us. If you have any resources or anything you can send our way to help us figure out what path we should go down it would be greatly appreciated the thing that strikes me as odd is that many of the things we have looked at so far don't seem to fit my son's behaviors fully the only one that seems to really come close is oppositional defiant disorder but even then there is something underlying it so any advice or whatever you could have to help would really be great thanks i hope after i'm through responding to your email you'll say you're welcome a few things about your message that um, concern me. Um, I'm glad that you've been trying to raise him upright. That that he is being argumentative and yelling and tantruming and blaming others and sometimes not following the rules um, tells us tells me that he has some skills lacking. Um, if he had the skills to not do those things, he would not do those things. Uh, your message hints at one possible skill that he might be lacking. And I'm betting he's lacking a bunch. Most challenging kids are. The part about him not talking about anything, that is a hint I don't have the slightest idea to tell you the truth, but that's a hint that he um, may not that, that he might be lacking some skills in the language processing or communication realm. But what I would encourage you to do, first step, get on the Lives in the Balance website, 
www.livesinthebalance.org. Download the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and figure out what skills he's lacking. See, see, the biggest thing that concerns me about your message is that you're looking to understand your son through a diagnosis. And now we're bumping up into the fact that I don't think diagnoses help us understand behavioral challenges at all. Diagnoses tell us what the child looks like, what behaviors he's exhibiting when he's challenging, but they don't tell us why, why a child is challenging, is lagging skills. When a child is challenging is when the environment is demanding those skills. What I call the clash of two forces. Lagging skills demands for those skills. When those forces clash, the likelihood of challenging behavior has been greatly heightened. Because those forces do not always clash, sometimes the child has the skills to meet the demands of the environment. Sometimes the environment is not demanding skills. The kid is lacking because those skills don't always, because those forces don't always clash. Challenging kids aren't always challenging, but they sure are challenging, just like the rest of us, by the way. When the demands being placed upon them outstrip the skills they have to respond adaptively to those demands, because they're lacking skills, those clash, forces clash more often in challenging kids than they do in the rest of us. But a diagnosis is not going to help you understand your son better. And I don't think a diagnosis is going to tell you how to help him either. That's the second part of collaborative problem solving. We just covered the first part. And I, by the way, don't think that your goal as it relates to helping him is the is getting through to him, although I know exactly what you're talking about. Often when we're trying to get through to a kid, we are punishing him to hope that the message gets through. We're talking at him to hope that the message gets through. We're being unilateral. We're solving problems unilaterally. Oh, by the way, when those two forces clash, the specific conditions in which that occurs, those are called unsolved problems. The goal is to solve those problems. Callers, I'm going to get to you in a moment. I promise. Let me just finish up with this email. There are three ways to solve a problem. Unilaterally, I call that plan A. That causes challenging behavior. Collaboratively, I call that plan B. It's what I spend almost all of my waking moments talking to people about. And by the way, at the first annual Lives in the Balance Conference on Collaborative Problem Solving, the solution begins in Maine. Conference yesterday in Augusta. People sure did hear from a lot of people who were getting really good at Plan B and helping a lot of behaviorally challenging kids in the meantime. Plan C is the third problem-solving option. That's where you are prioritizing and removing some unsolved problems so as to limit the number that you're working on at any particular time. You can't solve all the problems at once. By the way, that's the other thing the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems are going to do for It's going to help you identify unsolved problems in very specific terms. Then you're ready to solve problems, and then you're ready to think about what plan you want to use to solve those problems and which problems you want to be working on first, prioritizing. The unsolved problems you're not working on, that's plan C. The unsolved problems you are working on, that's plan B. 
What are you going to do with plan A? I have no idea. I don't know if you still need plan A. So you asked if I have any resources to help you understand all of this, and the number one resources I would recommend because it's free is the Lives in the Balance website. I could also recommend the book The Explosive Child, but it's not free. I'm glad that your son isn't exhibiting behavioral challenges at school yet. Although you did say that there were problems at school, you also said that the what you're calling the bullying behavior is primarily acting at home, uh, occurring at home. But you're right that there's a very insightful statement in your message. There's something underlying it. Right. Lagging skills and demands for those skills are what set the stage for your son to exhibit challenging behavior, whatever that challenging behavior looks like. Unsolved problems are these specific conditions, teeth brushing, hygiene, amount of time your son is spending in front of the screen, you you actually weren't very specific in your message about these specific conditions in which your son is behaviorally challenging, so I, I don't have any to sort of pick up on here. I just know that a diagnosis won't give you the most important information. What skills is he lacking? Under what conditions are those lagging skills bumping into demands for those skills? Under what conditions are those forces clashing and setting in motion challenging behavior. Yes, you're right. There is something underlying it. Now you know what it is. The rest of the model is solving those problems collaboratively rather than unilaterally with your son. Then you'll stop feeling like your goal is to get through to him. Your goal is to solve problems. Getting through to a kid often involves motivational strategies, some form of punishment, some form of reward. When that doesn't work, people often up the ante. I'm not talking about adults here. They up the ante. They punish harder. They reward more often. Um, you're in the problem-solving business now, not the motivation business. I hope that's helpful. And... um You're always welcome, as two people have done already today, to call into the program and tell us how it's going. I'm going to bring on to the air our caller from area code 505. Don't use any names. Don't choose any identifying information. But our caller from area code 505 is now on the air. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the air. My I pleasure. It. Thanks for calling in. I have a couple of things I want to tell you. One is that I've been studying your website and really learning about collaborative problem solving. I wanted to tell you a success story that I had with collaborative problem solving. And I also, and so let me start with that. And that is that I have a son who has Asperger's. And I know diagnosis, as you were saying, isn't such a big deal. And one thing I would say to that emailer is that just having a diagnosis of autism it presents in so many different ways, but that's not even really that helpful sometimes. Although it is helpful in in terms of um, learning specific strategies that can help a child with autism. 
But uh, anyway, here's the success story. I have a son, and he's 12, and he is in school where it is a private school. And he's the first kid who's out at his school who has Asperger's. And his school did not have to admit him, but he's such a he can be so charming, and he is such a great academic that they did admit him, and he's been thriving academically, getting straight A's. However, we had a problem this year that because he's such an overconfident student, he sort of started selecting which homework assignments he was going to do and which ones he wasn't going to do. And he would just completely blow off the ones. He would think to himself, well, if I blow off this one, I might get a B, but that's still a good grade. (laughs) And in a private school, um, we've learned that the teachers will contact you and say, you know, he's missing this assignment. And... um, and so we got a few of those phone calls from different teachers, and we're really struggling with just getting him to be honest about what he was missing and what he could do to fix this problem. But finally, I, you know, I just kept patiently saying, I see a problem. I'm hearing from teachers there's a problem. I, we really need to think about a solution. And I have solutions I can suggest, but I think you're going to feel better if you pick your own solution. So, of course, I'm a mom, and I made my suggestions, and, and, somehow, and somehow he ended up um, getting a solution that was uh, his own, and it's, it's been really great. He's actually, you know, he, he actually had a, a mental solution, and that was really that he needed more determination to complete it, plus he doesn't want his teachers calling me. So he had a super motivator to not have his teachers call me. And and sounds so, like you have more than one, eh? I do, I do, I do. And so, um, so the solution was that he he you know he's now doing his homework immediately after school without any fuss. But you know that came from him, and I had to wait. And I had that waiting that you described was so critical. Just being open, putting it on the table, not getting mad, not getting emotional, just waiting. And that was really critical, and I want to thank you for that. That's really important. Well, good for you for doing it. Um, Thanks. You know, a model is all well and good, but if people don't do it, then what what good's a model? So what do you think of that solution, though? Do you think him being more determined to get it done, do you think that's a solution that's going to stand the test of time? I, 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 what I think is going to stand the test of time is the ongoing conversation. And I think that that's more likely to be the, the, you know, he was expecting I'd be mad, and I wasn't. I was, I mean, inside I was. I was like, dang, it's annoying to be contacted by your teachers. But on the outside, I simply reflected patience and just sort of a quizzical, here's a problem, I don't know, I can't solve this for you. You have to solve this. And the other piece about it is really pumping up my um, approval and pride and commenting on how great he's doing when I see him doing the right thing. And, you know, that he, he turned in all his missing assignments. He's back to getting straight A's. His teachers are quite pleased. He's a phenomenal writer, so he gets lots of really positive comments and feedback. But I think it's the ongoing dialogue that's going to work. 
I actually don't think this particular solution is going to work in the long run. I think probably in the long run he's going to need to go to the library after school or something. But it has to come from him. And it's sort of me giving up the control. And that well, was really giving up, great. Giving up the control often means giving up plan A. Um, sounds right. like you were doing plan B. But that doesn't mean that I mean, unless you think he is like totally going to be turned off by any solution that you might have to offer. It actually does sound like you have a solution, but it also sounds like you're willing to run with his. On the other hand, neither you nor perhaps me, without really understanding the situation very well, um, so I'm a little reluctant to say that uh, this, but um, I would be skeptical about the durability of a solution that is just being more determined. He may need something a little bit more concrete than that. Um, but mm-hmm. if you're doing plan B, unless he's like totally allergic to any solution that you might suggest, perfectly fine to suggest solutions. So I'm not one who says it has to come from the kid unless this is the type of kid who simply cannot hear solutions from anybody else. Um, no, he's not like that. But he's certainly at a you know, he's at his hormonal stage where he wants to feel in control and in charge. I plant seeds in his head of ideas that I think and I don't you know What's really helped me was taking off the pressure, and I really I feel the like pressure of you having to be in charge. The pressure of that it's my somehow my job to figure out this answer. Um, it, that even if I did have the perfect answer, without his buy-in, it couldn't work. And so just realizing that I could have all the greatest ideas in the world, but that didn't mean that doesn't mean that that's what's going to be used. And you know this is true beyond just parenting. I mean, it's, I, I work with some difficult people, and it's, it's helpful with them, too. Just putting it back in their court and saying, well, here's the problem. I've offered my suggestions, but it's really up to you. And then honestly, inside of me, recognizing that it's not in my control, honestly. And that is huge because when you have a child, as you probably are aware from all your clients, who has any kind of disability, you know, the parents can't help but think in the big-term, long-term picture. We think about, you know, what what will happen to our child as they get older, and, you know, what, and they need, they need to be able to solve these problems, you know, at 35 when the work is demanding that you get X done on their own without mom sitting by the side saying, it's so sort of developing that interior dialogue within your child. Right, and what collaborative problem-solving would do is, um, I mean, your concern is that, and this would be the define the problem step, your concern is that you know that your son needs to be independent at this stuff someday. But -hmm. you also recognize that, as a kid, he may not be thinking things all the way through. He may not have the big picture. Um, Truth is, in life, we do have to do what your son is doing he's one of the things that struck me was when you said that your son is deciding um okay if i do that assignment i'll get an a if i don't do it i'll get a b uh i would call that prioritizing and deciding what's worth it and what's not um that's a very crucial skill for real life because um you're always going to have to prioritize and you're always going to have to decide what's worth it. So in some respects, he's actually practicing a very much of a real-world skill. We adults, when we're interacting with kids so often over grades, we're thinking, well, you know, anything less than an A 
Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, you know that's anything less than an A is sort of a he didn't work hard enough. He he that that's a, you know he's got to pick that up. When in reality, the kid may be doing something the rest of us are doing in real life, which is saying, you know what, I got so much on my plate, I got to prioritize. I got to decide what I'm going to put my energy into and what I'm not going to put my energy into. Try to put your energy into everything that life is throwing at you. You'll get mm-hmm. uh, you'll get tapped out fairly quickly. Um, so it's kind of interesting that um, the other thing that was <laughs> that you had mentioned is that you hate getting calls from school. Um, hey, call yep. from, yeah, but uh, a call from school is either, uh, listen, we have an unsolved problem we're not sure what to do about, or um, we have information to give you about your kid because you're not here with us, so we'd like to give you some. Um, I, I, but, think but, you're, I think you hear my sort of PTSD of getting, lo- and I'm sure a lot of parents <laughs> who are listening have it. exactly what I have. You know, You've when the phone rings PTSD. and you see... Yep. That's right. When the phone rings, you see the caller ID, it's the school, um, your heart goes dumb, 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 because so many phone calls. I mean, he's 12 now, and he's beyond a lot of the crazy behavior that he exhibited when he was 7, 8, you know. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's more. I mean, I actually really love his school. I love his teachers. I feel like he's getting a great education. But I just wanted to pass that on to you, that I'm just a baby learning the steps of collaborative problem solving. But yep. just in the simple, and, and believe me, it was no picnic, um, you know, blowing off homework. We knew there was homework. It ended up in, you know, semi-meltdowns. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was, you know, la-di-da and just not doing my homework. It was definitely, right. you know, full-bore autistic meltdown, I'm not doing my homework. But, that, you know, just remembering that it's our reactions that cause so many of the problems and not necessarily the actual moment that's caused. Yes, that's a problem, but it's a problem, and how am I going to react? I'm going to say, your problem. And it, it comes in handy in a thousand other ways. It's, it's, it's not my problem at the grocery store when something goes, you know, there's like a lot of little ways I'm seeing that this is a very useful technique. So I want to thank Good. you because I'm just learning. I'm trying. I'm practicing. It's, a, it's, it's really, it's a lot about being patient and waiting for the sort of, not the teachable moment, but the the moment when you can actually get a response. It's not, I've learned that it's not always when I want it to be. And um, Good. just being patient, waiting, waiting, you're, 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 shutting you're up. You're definitely on the road to progress. Exactly. There's another situation I wanted to tell you about, and that's um, in the part of the country I live in just yesterday, and this is where... This is the opposite of collaborative problem solving. And um, our school district had a school where a seven-year-old child with autism was just handcuffed to a chair by police because he was unplugging switches or unplugging computers in his classroom. And I tell you this story because this is what a lot of parents are facing when they, their kids are in school and they get that nasty phone call. These are the nasty phone calls. You know, your child is out of control and... This is the reality in some parts of the country, that the reaction from the school district is so over the top. And, um, and I just want to encourage parents to really stand up and not be afraid to declare when something's outrageous that happens to their child at school. Well, and here's what I'd like you to do. First of all, I think that's great advice. Not, and um, I, I, Because of your area code, I know what part of the country you're in. And I'm actually about to assist some folks 
who are trying to do something about that legally. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. But here's what I'd like you to do. Can you email me through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website what school system you're in? You know what? I tweeted to you the sto- a link to the story. So if you look at your Twitter feed, you'll see a link to the story. Oh, God. I have to look at my Twitter feed. This could yeah, be interesting. I don't know if I've ever looked at my Twitter feed, but I, I mean, I oh. tweet before this program. Beyond that, I'm a Twitter. Oh. I, I'm in the dark ages on Twitter, but I'll look. It's, um, it's really useful for sharing information. So I tweeted to you the link to the story, but yes, the, um, I will go ahead and contact you about that. But yes, it's uh, it's probably the same district, and I'm actually working with a team of two, legislatively. We actually did work on a bill last year to get this to get school districts to make agreements with police departments because what happens is once the police are engaged the child ends up in the juvenile justice system and that causes a whole host of problems in itself and for nonviolent offenses it's it's both a waste of taxpayer money to have a child in that system as well as it's it's, it's tremendous hardship on the family and the child um, and Awful, awful, awful. And the bottom line is just not something schools should be doing to kids. So, listen, I'm on my Twitter account now, and maybe there's a way. What? Maybe the mentions. 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 Mm -hmm. mentions. Let's look here. I know I shouldn't be doing this right now because (laughs) we are live on the radio. I'm going to do this later. I don't even see mentions, so I'm going to. I'll find it. Your home. Somehow. Anyway, yeah, I will. I can uh, help you with that a little bit. But, Do uh, because lives in the balance. Lives in the balance takes action when we learn about these things, and so I am extremely appreciative that you issue. have. It, yeah, this is really critical. The, the place where I live is the number one location in the in the country for preschool suspensions in public school. It, it has a lot balance, of problems. In fact, lives in the balance will definitely want to. Um, Connect with me. Take, take action Good. and help Good. educate folks who are doing those things so that it doesn't keep happening. So and the last thing I wanted to tell you really quickly yep. was one more thing about this. And that because our school district is pretty dysfunctional, um, and especially in regards to kids with disabilities, where the police are called in um, way more often for kids with disabilities than any other t- child, except for children who are um, in very disadvantaged minority populations. They're also, percentage-wise, per capita, the police are called more often for them and uh, at school. And um, I just wanted to tell your listeners that we I have a daughter who has cerebral palsy, and she has frontal lobe brain injury, which you would know that that means that her executive function skills are impaired, yep. which can be very challenging at school, in addition to her body, which has some physical impairment as well. And we finally, after many years, um, kind of gave up on the school system and tried a new program that really worked with uh, what works for her. And what we did was we actually hired an unemployed special education teacher, of which there are many in the country, to work with our daughter for three hours a day in a home-based program. We've enrolled her in tons of other programs, so she has access to peers, and a good social network, and she has quite a thriving social life in spite of being at home. But what we've learned is that our child, when we change the setting, the stress and anxiety and the number of meltdowns were reduced dramatically, reduced 
we went from three meltdowns a day to one a week. Now we're at one a month. How do we do that? It's a matter of removing the stress, focusing on her strengths, and really getting her buy-in for her education, just like we did with our son, but in a different way. Of You need to be educated. You need to learn what do you think it means to be educated. And, you know, it turns out kids are pretty smart. She knew she needed math and reading and writing and science and social studies. So all those things are happening in a more intensive way. It's not practical for every parent, but if parents are finding that their kid is constantly being restrained, which is an issue in our state, or, you know, having situations where kids coming home with bruises from teachers holding their arms, it's, there are other creative ways of educating your child that are less abusive. We're in a part of the country where our school district is, districts are extremely dysfunctional, as you've heard. So you could see how a parent might be led to thinking creatively outside the box. Well, but both I the- and Lives in the Balance will definitely be trying to do something about that. Um, I do have Thank one you. other caller, so I want to make sure Thanks we get so to Thanks so much. My- it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Um, good. Um, there's a mom who is not only on the way to doing more collaborative problem solving with both kids, but also trying to do something about more global issues that affect challenging kids, and that's spectacular. We do have another caller, area code 772. You're on the air. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Green. You know, I had a feeling it was you. <laughs> I'm on my cell phone. How you doing? Well, um, I'm pretty discouraged. Tell me more. Um, I I can't say I have the same. Um, I still really believe in what you're what you're doing and and everything I read, but I can't seem to make it work at home, and and maybe I need to wait and be more patient. Um, but I just get so discouraged. That so sometimes, go, go ahead, sorry. Well, it just gets hard. It's very hard. Here's the thing. So you've called into the program several times. Yes. Um, and I've given the you the best guidance I can from a distance. Go ahead, sorry. Well, it's just like, you know, we spent three weeks on that one unsolved problem of reading out loud. And meanwhile, you know, there's ten challenging behaviors or incidences a day, maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe six. Um, and, my, and my son's behavior um, or his, what he does on the spectrum of looking bad is, is hitting and yelling and and being verbally abusive to me or to whoever is around and then also being physically abusive or, and it's just, it gets so hard to take, and not I don't have any recourse, it seems, to do anything to stop him from escalating. Well, and you can do what you've always done, but what I'm mostly, which the reason that you're seeking out collaborative problem solving, I think, is because what you've always done hasn't gotten you where you want it to go. You are very, very, very early in the process of implementing collaborative problem solving. That is sometimes, well, that is typically the hardest time 
because you're trying to do collaborative problem solving on one or two or three unsolved problems, but you still have a bunch of others that remain unsolved. Now, what we're often doing with those is putting those in plan C, which is we are just letting those go. And I don't know if we have enough time today because we only have five minutes left in the program to find out what you're doing with the unsolved problems you're not working on right now. Um, Unsolved problems that have been placed in plan C shouldn't be setting in motion challenging behavior anymore because they've been removed from everybody's radar screen. So I'm hoping that it's not that you're doing B on one and continuing to do A on the rest, but you'd you'd know better than that. But many parents get very discouraged early on just because of the exact situation that you're describing. You're just getting going with Plan B. Plan B takes time, and Plan B's not magic. That that's you knew that, so you didn't need me to tell you that. Um, but you're right at the beginning of it, and life is still extremely hard. Tell me, an important question that I have is, did the unsolved problem that we'd been talking about and that you'd been working on, did that one get solved? No, not really. Is that one that, you're still working on? Well, I've almost put that in Plan C where we don't read anymore. Okay. Well, now that – and that was okay with the teacher? Well, we I guess I got kind of lucky in a sense his school got flooded, so they didn't give homework for two weeks because they were all discombobulated oh. and decided it would be less stressful not to give homework. Thank goodness so, for natural disasters, eh? Yeah, so we actually had a pretty nice um, two weeks, but with at least around homework. And so last night was the first night that homework came back into play. and um, Not good. And it, it wasn't good. Right. And so that, that problem isn't solved yet, and the only reason it felt solved is because your school got flooded and the problem actually got removed for a while. It, it's sort of like the, the, the school did plan C because of the flood, right? Right. But you still got an unsolved problem there. Um, and the, 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 bad new, the, the good news is that your son wasn't, the last I heard from you, your son wasn't talking but then had begun talking. And that's, I would call, the baby steps of getting plan B going. Um, my regret, and the only reason I was thinking of having you not come on the air today is because I knew we were going to run out of time. And uh-huh. But I, I think I and a lot of our listeners would love to hear more about this. I hate to have you wait another week, so you can you can feel free to email me in the interim. I can try to help you sort some things through by email. You and I have communicated previously that way, so you can certainly do that again. Um Obviously, I hope you don't throw in the towel on Plan B because Plan A wasn't working well at all. The problem is it's going to take a while to get Plan B going, and now the question is what do you do in the meantime? And once again, those options are not great, but often that's what Plan C is for. I mean, you could keep doing Plan A on the things that you're not working on right now, but I typically don't recommend that. You could try to do Plan B on a few more unsolved problems, and uh, 
don't have a problem with that, except that you're just getting your son talking on the one that you had been working on. Um, and Plan C is for the rest. Like yours, the number one goal is to rapidly as possible reduce the heat in your family. And Plan A is not going to do that for you. And you're just getting going with Plan B, which means your really only other option is Plan C. But do me a favor. Email me um, with the – you had mentioned that there were six, seven things, times a day that your son was getting upset. Okay. Email me the unsolved problems that he's getting upset over. Let's see if I can help you prioritize them via email, and then we'll take your call first next week. Sound like a plan? Okay. All right. Yes. We'll, we'll see if we can help you do this from a distance. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but we'll certainly give it a shot. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for us today. Yes, this is really hard, and it can be very discouraging as you're just getting the ball rolling. That's what this program's for. Mom, call back next week. We'll try to help you out. Email me in the meantime. Talk to you all next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.